Hey, this is Jake. Hi, and I'm Margaret. Welcome to the Creative Unblocked podcast. With Jake's background in personal development and mine in art education and being a professional artist, we combined our experience to create a unique and exciting method for you to move past blocks that are holding you back. Each week, we'll talk about a different topic that is aimed at inspiring and educating you on the power that using creativity has to create breakthroughs and to help you move past blocks and live the life you want to live. To find out more about our process and useful tools to get started, visit us online at thecreativeunblock.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. It's okay. Hey, this is Jake. Hi, and I'm Margaret. Welcome back to Coffee and Creativity. I've got my coffee uh, with me. We have microphones uh, with us today because we're going to be live uh, recording the podcast so that if you miss this or if you just prefer podcast, you can check it out. So uh, if I start getting sweaty, it's because I've had a lot of coffee. So uh, anyways, uh, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about how pain uh, even though oftentimes we want to avoid it, how it can lead us. And uh, right off the top, I want to tell a funny story, if that's okay. Um, speaking of pain, so uh, obviously we're all supposed to be wearing masks now. And last night I have a group of guys that uh, I get with uh, occasionally on a Zoom call. We were talking about, you know, sometimes you forget your mask, you go out. There's, it's, it's not good. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people that get upset about it. And so uh, a friend of mine said the har- hardest part was was when you actually wear the mask, you realize how bad your breath smells. Like it's you're so up close and personal to your breath that uh, and I just feel like I should apologize to Margaret for all the years that I've I didn't know. It's talk about self-awareness. Uh, I didn't know how bad my breath smelled until I'm right in there in the middle of it with my mask. So anyways, uh, we. uh we would love, uh, uh, yeah, so thanks for being here, and so that's right off the top. We all need some humor with all that's going on out there, but uh, today we're going to talk about uh, how pain can lead us. Margaret's going to share a lot about Frida Kahlo. If you saw our post this week on Monday about Frida, uh, we love uh, finding people in, in history that are famous figures that really uh, use creativity to help themselves, and so... We're going to start uh, right off the bat with just a kind of a, a personal uh, thing that we're both, or at least I'm doing, and, and Margaret's going to read. We've got some books, so we're going to be, I'm going to be reading from the Red Book from uh, Carl Jung. Apparently, Jung's the way to say it. And Margaret, you want to show your book? Mm-hmm. So a lot of you guys probably know that book, Women Who Runs With Wolves. Uh, every day, Margaret reads it, and then we sit and talk about it for an hour. So we said, we might as well just start having these live podcast recording. So um, let's start off real quick with uh, the importance right now with pain of having a good cry. And uh, this is something, especially for guys, that is often uh, faux pas. Uh, and uh, But at the same time, it's very, very, very uh, healthy for the spirit, for the mind. And so uh, something that I've been doing lately, especially with all that's going on, is uh, I'll go, we, we, we have two kids, so we'll split up, and uh, I'll go out to the woods early in the morning. There's a great little area I can sit in, and I'll just put some kind of somber music on. And it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes some stuff will come up for me, and I'll just, I'll have a good cry. And what's amazing about it is it's so nourishing. It's like all of the energy in your body, uh, at least for me, it, it starts to become, it starts to be released, and I start to, like, my heart starts to open uh, whatever stress I'm carrying around on my shoulders and neck, 
naturally it just kind of seems to uh, go away. And so we wanted to talk about uh, if you're having a hard time right now, uh, one easy right off the bat takeaway that you could do starting tomorrow, or maybe even today, is just sit down and cry. Like it's it's a good thing and it feels uh, really, really good to do it. So uh, Margaret, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the quote in the book? So you actually uh, sure. read this this morning, right? From Woman yeah. Who Runs With Wolves. So yeah, so this quote kind of jumped out at me um, this morning, um, which a lot of this book has, I really feel like, trailed along with our journey and what we're going through right now. So I thought this was really um, inspiration, and and I thought it would be really nice to share. So it says, um, in her book, um, um, uh, Dr. Estes, um, chapter 13, it says, tears are a river that take you somewhere. Weeping creates a river around the boat that carries your soul life. Tears lift your boat off the rocks, off dry ground, carrying it downriver to someplace new, someplace better. Mm. So um, I thought that that really resonated what we were talking about today um, and how pain can kind of lead us. Um, But then also a good cry can as well. So um, I thought that would be very appropriate to talk about, too. Absolutely. And so uh, what we want to talk about uh, as as it pertains to pain, the really the the key thing we're going to be coming in and out of is how uh, when you avoid pain, it actually makes it a lot worse. But uh, you really need a way to process pain versus just sitting around and thinking about it. And that's why creativity is just such a wonderful tool. And that's why we build everything we do uh, based on giving actual tools. Uh, Women Who Runs With Wolves calls it a container. And that's a whole other episode we're going to have. This book, guys, it's unbelievable. But um, anyways, we want to uh, talk a little bit about Frida Kahlo because – uh, you talk about somebody that uh, went through some pain, like some real pain in her life. Now, Margaret being a professional artist, which this is her artwork behind me. I didn't paint that. Uh, and so it's amazing. It's, uh, it's she, ML Brown Studio is her Instagram, and, um, and we're in her studio. And so uh, Margaret being a professional artist and uh, also a former art educator, uh, having to go uh, learn a lot about art history, you know a good bit about Frida Kahlo. And so, Margaret, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Frida Kahlo. First, let's talk about some of the things that people may not know, like her own story before she became Frida Kahlo, some of the painful things that she did. And then I want to talk about specifically how she used her artwork to do that. But specifically, to start, talk a little bit about what you know about Frida Kahlo and what what people may not know about her personally. Yeah, so a couple of things that stick out to me about Frida is uh, she's a woman that was very inspiring. She um, loved that she was from Mexico and really um, loved it so much that she always wore traditional um, attire to um, represent that, which I think says a lot. I think so many times we try to be someone we're not um, or we're ashamed of where we come from, but I think that that's a beautiful part that she really wanted to emphasize that. And she, it's interesting to me that, um, because she painted a lot of portraits of herself, a lot of, uh, the symbolism in the pieces, um, are very representational, but you can really feel the pain and the emotion in the paintings. And I think that's why people resonate with her so much is because Mm. you don't need to have a conversation with her. You can feel what she's feeling. And I think a lot of times art is so much more intimate than, um, than when you're just having a conversation, because we've learned over the years as um, a child of how to 
make everything sound positive and communicate in more of an uplifting manner or um, how to kind of recognize some facial recognitions to where we can kind of stay on par. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful part about painting, especially what Frida does in her pieces, is it's very raw and it's very intimate at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so, but one thing I think is kind of interesting about hers is, um, is just the depiction of, you know, what we consider female beauty. A lot of times uh, society considers um, a unibrow or facial hair something not as quote-unquote beautiful but that's right. something that she emphasizes because she resonated with that and she embraced all of herself and so um, I also think that that's very admirable yeah. um, to really um, embrace exactly who you are and not feel like you have to cater towards the confines of what society thinks is appropriate or not appropriate yeah and so can you talk a little bit about um I know she was involved. She had a couple things when she was really young. She mm -hmm. she had a very serious bout of polio, yep. which kind of kept her bedridden. And then she was in a very serious uh, bus accident. Yeah. I say car accident. That's not correct. It's a bus accident. And literally, not to get gruesome, but I was reading an article and like she was literally impaled, like through her hip. This entire piece of metal or something yeah. literally went through her hip. Yeah. So can you talk about? kind of that that element of her life yeah. that not many people probably know about. Yeah, so um, that led to a lot of complications, um, basically pain for the rest of her life. Um, she had polio. Um, later in her life, she had um, a bout of gangrene, which they had to take her one of her feet off because oh. of it. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, but one of the things that, um, also probably a lot of females can, um, understand is because of the injury of the bus injury, she was, she wasn't able to have children. So, mm. um, I think, uh, and you can see that in a lot of paintings as well is, um, seeing the depiction of the pain and the disappointment, um, because I know that she did have a miscarriage as well. So, yeah. and she depicts all that in these paintings, which a lot of people would, um, consider too, too emotionally um, revealing, but, mm. but that's kind of the point. The point is, is not to appease your viewer. A lot of times when you're talking about pain, it's about processing the information of what you're trying to um, uh, get through and accomplish. And it's not so much about the viewer. And I think that that's also what I admire about her is even the commissions that she did for people, um, she did a commission for a female that had committed suicide. Instead of doing this very honorable portrait that would be the normal case, she actually depicted the actual suicide action, oh, wow. which was very um, uh, not received well. But I wow. think that was kind of the whole point is yeah. it wasn't about all of her depictions were about what was honest mm. and raw yeah. and not about what people wanted uh, her to paint. Yeah, and it, and it, and it, it reminds me, too, of... Um I mean, I've I've never dealt with anything anywhere near that serious, but you can imagine like how easy it would be just to give up. I mean, like if you don't have an outlet or that container that she talks about that ended up being painting for her. And she there's a quote. I'm going to probably not get this completely correct, but she was like, much of life has been a tragedy. But as long as I can paint, uh, I'll, I'll always be OK. And it, it became a place where um, she was able to communicate what was happening in her life non verbally and that's what we always talk about is this left and right hemisphere um, it's really important that we have an, a, a way to process what's going on in our lives and it's really important to have a way to process some blocks in our lives using our nonverbal uh, uh, hemisphere yeah and so I think to add to that I think what the big takeaway is here that we really want to emphasize for people is find your container yeah. you know find whatever that is for you whether yeah. it's poetry or music or 
art or whatever that looks like, you know, we really encourage everybody to find their container because if you have no way of processing um, the disappointments, the grief, the sadness, all of these emotions that we're processing mm-hmm. every day, especially on what's going on right now, that's yeah. a very dangerous place to be. Yep. And the beautiful part about creativity is realizing that there's something magical that happens when you create it is you're able to process and get through it as opposed to resonating in it and not being able to get past it. Yeah. And I think that you know, it's been interesting. Uh, Margaret and I've been married for, uh, man, 13 years, I think it's 13 ish. And then, and then also, um, for those of you who are joining, hello. We I, I can't reach over there to wave at you, but I just want to let you know that we see you. We're still learning <laughs> as we record this live podcast too how to how to make all this work. But we yeah, see so you. So welcome, welcome. And we thanks, see you. Thanks for being here. God God bless you uh, for being out and hanging out with us on a Friday morning. So uh, going back to um, what I was saying is is what's been fascinating is Margaret being an abstract. You can see her work behind us. It's abstract. So. You know, there's only one one way to create abstract work, and you, it's all coming from the inside. And when I first got here in Nashville, uh, we're here in Nashville, Tennessee. I was a songwriter, and uh, it came of it, it became a very uh, career kind of uh, uh, pressure cooker where I lost the joy of just going to the piano or getting on the guitar and being like, "God dang, today sucked. I have got to get this out." And uh, especially for men, you know, we're taught early on to just push through. You know, like. You know, don't don't uh, pain is a sign of weakness or that whatever's going on in your life, uh, you just have to kind of dish it to the side. And what happens is, is if you're having a lot of panic attacks or if you're having a lot of um, overwhelmingly body sensations, that's your body saying, hey, we're going to address this one way or the other. Either either you can start expressing what's happening here and you can get in touch with me or I'm going to keep sending up these revolts. Uh, James Hollis, who's one of my favorite uh, Jungian psychotherapist says that it's called a summons of the soul. And what that means is that uh, your mind, your ego, your analytical mind can do its best job to control, to control, to control, to avoid, but your subconscious, will it will sneak up on you. And you don't have to have a breakdown. Uh, that's one of his big messages is you don't have to have a midlife crisis to start embracing uh, what's going on in your life. And so um, that's a big passion point for Margaret and I is giving people a way to process what's going on to move past blocks because uh, Margaret being an abstract artist, one thing that we've realized is she's way further along, in my opinion, and women naturally are. So shout out to women. They're usually way more evolved. They're usually way more uh, awakened, way more attuned to their bodies, to what's going on in their spirits, and guys are not. But one thing that she's had over the past three or four years being a professional artist is an actual container that she comes up here, whether the kids are killing us or whether something's going on in our relationship or anything that's going on, um, she has a container to put that in. And then every single time she comes out of the studio, it's like a new person. And so do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, how, how that going back to Frida a little bit, how did that, how did she represent some of that uh, in her work in her actual work from you being a, um, you know, you've done uh, being a professional artist and having some of that art history background. How was she able to exude some of that pain in her actual work? Well, I know that there's several where um, uh, there was a couple of depictions of where um, a lot of her internal process, internal internal organs, her spine were exposed. Mm. Um, and so I think that that's really the way that she kind of depicted the pain, like the physical pain that she endured every day was through her paintings and seeing her spine. Because I think, you know, ever since her accidents and really um, from childhood, yeah. ever since she had polio, she was always in some sort of 
pain. And mm. so um, a lot of that was depicted by representing um, the inside um, situation and, and painting that outwardly. So that seemed to be kind of the literal aspect yeah. of her doing that. Um, but then what's also really interesting is um, there's several, there's some paintings that there's two versions of her, which is really interesting and, mm. and something to kind of look into because we all have these specific personalities or, um, you know, we're different, we're slightly different every day. And yeah. so um, she also did that as well, where she showed two depictions, both are her, obviously, but um, how you can be completely different states at the same time. Oh, that's cool. So um, that's one thing that I think is really interesting about her work as well. Yeah, she had monkeys too. She did. She had a pet monkey as well. So she painted um, uh, her pet monkey yeah, in her and paintings she was, as well. You know, and, and uh, I don't have a lot of details on this, but she was a big, she's still seen today as a huge mm -hmm. uh, feminist movement. I mean, she was really mm -hmm. big into that. Can you talk a little bit about what she was doing then that was kind of avant-garde for, uh, for that movement at that time? Well, it wasn't necessarily, so I, she was considered, um, I guess, a surrealist. Um, uh, I don't think she depicted herself as that, but she's kind of been grouped into that area because of what was going on, because the surrealist, um, yeah. surrealism movement was going on when she was doing it. Um, and it was semi-similar in the sense that this was a time during art history where um, people were depicting a lot more of that internal dialogue, that mm. internal psyche. Mm. And she, uh, you know, um, subconsciously or consciously, was right on par with that yeah um uh being able to it wasn't about representing the natural world exactly how it was but it became more of a documentation of what the conversation was inside more mm. about the psyche inside um so but what ended up happening is during the feminist movement in the 70s is kind of when she had a new um, a new fan base uh, because she really was um, a powerful figure. And, and even though there was a lot of pain in her paintings, you never, when you think of um, Frida, you never think of somebody that's very docile or humble or yeah. stagnant. She was, a, she was a powerhouse. She yeah. spoke her opinion. She was an activist. Um, yeah. And so um, you don't, that's what's really interesting too is even though you know, we've never had a conversation with her, you know, you even, she even alludes to that in her paintings that even though through all that suffering, she still, yeah. um, still has a dominant force. Um, yeah. and I think that's why she became popularized again during the seventies as well. Yeah. It's interesting. And most of her work is obviously self portraits. And I remember a, a quote that she was saying is that it's the person she knows best. I guess mm -hmm. probably a lot of her spending so much time alone. It's the person that she wants to better. And I was like, man, how healthy and how like, revolutionary in that time frame that must have been i mean even now it's hard to say um i the the person that i need to work on the most the person who deserves the most attention is myself it reminds me of um snoop dogg who I, that's a weird pivot but just follow me here so snoop dogg uh i i gave an acceptance speech of some award i think he may have had the, the hollywood walk of fame mm -hmm. and he literally went up there and he didn't think anybody but himself he thanked himself he's like i want to thank myself you know why because when nobody else believed in me i believed in me and when all you guys were saying you're not gonna make it i did i and it's like i was like and, and, and it's funny because he caught a lot of slack for that but it was hilarious because like it's it's actually very healthy for him to get up there and say that because you're the only one in your skin you're the only one going there's only you know it's like a party for one all the time and so if you're sitting there believing in yourself and nobody else is then if you get an award you should absolutely uh, thank yourself and be proud of yourself. So last thing on Frida, because, uh, and we, I can't reach the, the phone. So we see you. Thank you. We love you for being here. Uh, we just want to let you know that we see you. So, uh, and these are going to, this is a podcast. That's why we have microphones too. So you can always check our podcast out too. 
I do want to hit real quick, Margaret, on uh, for anybody that missed it. Uh, she had a unibrow, but she accentuated it yeah. in her work, which is obviously not. I mean, and that's 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 also kind of a unique thing too. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Well, just that she accentuated what we consider flaws. Um, so mm. I think that. Um, that she embraced herself wholeheartedly is really admirable. But one thing also that I'd like to touch on, um, which I don't know if a lot of people know, um, is there's tons of famous artists that basically became famous because they were forced to be in their bed because of some sort of accident, because some sort of energy, um, uh, injury. And so like Matisse is like that. Um, Chuck Close is, um, Chuck Close um, also has, so there's lots of different types of uh, learning disabilities or disabilities in general, which is really interesting because it seems to be that one thing that actually is what um, makes them famous. Um, So um, I would just encourage if anybody's listening that um, it it tends to be, especially in art and just in life in general, but it tends to be the flaw that actually is the one thing that can really, if you embrace it, can, can make you stand apart and yeah. um, embracing just the wholeheartedness of who you are, I think, goes a long way. Um, and then knowing that sometimes, even though we consider some things a disability, there's always some sort of gift on the other side. Yeah. So. And I, I, I think that that's, um, especially speaking from a guy's perspective, um, you know, you're just brought up in this push mentality. You're brought up in this mentality to um, constantly... Uh, achieve and push and push and achieve. And I know this is not just, uh, this is not just a male thing. Women experience this too. So it's not, I don't want to make it so dichotomous, but I think what I, what I have learned to start embracing is that it's the oddities. It's the, it's the thing that uh, I'm the most odd about that essentially makes uh, my own unique expression. And so I spent so much of my life early on looking at other people trying to figure out what makes them successful, and then I would try to adapt it. And I, and I call this uh, a metaphor that I use as a compass and a map. And what that means is that um, a compass is going to always show you true north, and, and a map is good. You need a map to get somewhere, but oftentimes we lose our compass and we're just looking for maps. And if, you, if you're constantly changing maps, what's going to end up happening is uh, you're going to get lost. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've gotten lost in my life simply because there were things in my life that I was experiencing pain with. And instead of just moving into that pain and asking, what are you teaching me? What are you showing me? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with moving into this with you, especially using a container. That's what we would suggest. It's not something you should go in the dark night of the soul unarmed. I mean, you've got to be, you've got to have all your tools ready. But uh, one thing that when I finally just said, God, I'm just, I'm not doing okay. Like, I'm just, I'm having a hard time right now. All of a sudden, there was this wave of like, flash of like, okay, now we can start working on it. But it's that denial that you're like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And uh, so art just has a beautiful way. Creativity, the, the exercises, the things that we're creating for you guys are all about having a container so that you can go inside and and talk to yourself and know that it's safe. That pain is there. And it, on the other side of it is uh, so much growth, so much personal development. Because one thing that we uh, want to say is that uh, we don't want to just like absolve anxiety or to take away things. Like that's that's just half the battle. That's a that's an important part. So it's like uh, Margaret, you talk about in that book. She talks about life, 
death life. So sometimes you have to go yeah. into a death mode mm-hmm. um, in order to uh, move into life. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So one quote in there that she says in the book, Woman Who Run With Wolves, is she says that life is a jump rope. And so as long as when you can embrace that, that there's a jumping in point and then there's a jumping out point, but there's always a rhythm. Yeah. So there's always life, death, life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we resist that, and that could be internal life, death, life, that can be external, that can be, uh, I mean, it's everywhere. So, but if we can embrace that aspect, it's, uh, then we'll, uh, do a lot better long term. But when we tend to resist that, um, that's when, um, issues really start arising and we have a harder time yeah. um, just in general. And so I want to talk, um, cause one thing that we, Mark and I are really serious about is, um, a, uh, giving you guys practices and, and real tools because like there's so much information out there. There's probably like a million people doing an Instagram live right now. And so, uh, we use these tools, uh, as a method of communication, but we want to make sure that we're just not another talking head. Like you actually get some stuff that you can start working on. So we're going to get to that in a second with uh, the mandala kits that we have, but I just want to read you guys something, uh, real quick. Uh, this is from, Carl Jung's The Red Book, and uh, we are huge fans of Carl Jung. I every time I read it, like if I'm in a hard space, uh, man, I I I always read this because this dude lived a life, and so um, he he is incredible. And a lot of you guys already know him, so let me find the quote here. So what a lot of people don't realize about Carl Jung, and by the way, we see you guys. Uh, thanks for being on here. I can't touch the screen to, to comment yet. That's We're recording a live podcast, but we love you and thank you for being here. And we will later, though. And we will. We, yeah, we will absolutely. And we actually, real quick, uh, that's a good segue. Uh, we're going to be doing these every Friday. And if you have questions or if you have something that you're dealing with in your life, DM us because we would love to talk about it next Friday. I mean, this is something that we love working with people. It's what we do. And so uh, if you have any questions or if you want to get in touch with us, just DM us to say, hey, I appreciated your talk. Can you guys hit this thing? This is what I'm dealing with. Yeah, or just any type of subject matter that you're curious about that you would like us to touch on. Um, we have an idea of where we're going with it, but yeah. we're going to hold this um, conversation um, very loosely in our hands. So if there is um, any questions or things that you would like us to talk about right now, then we'll consider that as well. So Because um, that's important that we answer any questions you may have. Yes, absolutely. So... Let's talk about Mr. Carl Jung here. So uh, what most people don't realize, I didn't realize until I read this book, was that uh, he was a military uh, service commander, which is kind of crazy because I didn't realize he was in the war. So I'm going to read you guys this quote from the book. It says, between June 11th and October 2nd, 1917, Jung was on military service in Chateau de... I'm going to say OA. That's not correct. But uh, I'm from Alabama. Give me a break. Anyways, a commander of the English prisoners of war. Around August, he wrote to Smith... Uh, Eli Jalif, that his military service had taken him completely away from his work, and that on his return, he hoped to finish a long paper about the types. I'm assuming this is the archetypal uh, types. He concluded the letter by writing, with us, everything is unchanged and quiet. Everything else is swallowed by the war. The psychosis is still increasing, going on and on. And like, when I read that, I was like, that's life right now. Like, absolutely, totally, uh, I, I, I totally know what that feels like because that's where I feel like right now. It's like we're absolutely all enveloped in this pandemic and psychosis is going wild. And so um, 
so it, it continues, and it says the good news is there's he, he learned something from this. So he says, at this time, he felt that he was still in a state of chaos and that it only began to clear toward the end of the war. From the beginning of August to the end of September, he drew a series of 27 mandalas in pencil in his army notebook, which he preserved. At first, he didn't understand these mandalas, but felt that they were very significant. From August 20th, he drew a mandala on most days. This gave him the feeling that he had taken a photograph of each day, and he observed how these mandalas changed. He recalled that he received a letter from this Dutch woman that got on my nerves terribly. In this letter, the woman, that is Moltzer, I'm assuming that's maybe a, uh, a famous artist, argued that the fantasies stemming from the unconscious possessed artistic worth and should be considered as art. And so Jung found this troubling but was not surprised. And so what he realized that uh, it was something that he was, uh, the mandalas were communicating something to him. So he was doing it and was starting to work through these mandalas. Now, if you know anything about mandalas, uh, they're usually associated with Eastern traditions. Is that correct? And I believe Carl Jung was the one that kind of brought mandalas to the Western civilization. And so um, he he used mandalas as a way to... um, get in touch with himself, and, and oddly enough, as he looked back over, as it says in the book, uh, after his work, he realized that they were different every day, and that his subconscious, if you can hang on with us here, his subconscious was communicating to him from the mandalas, because they were unique, and so uh, we uh, uh, created these family mandala kits um, about a month ago, and with Mental Health Awareness Month going on right now, uh, we want to make sure that we're giving people tools and resources. So, Margaret, do you want to talk a little bit about Margaret's a professional artist and a former art educator? So she's the one that designed and teaches all of you how to do it. There's a 30-day mandala challenge. You want to talk a little bit yeah, about? Yeah. So if you go onto our website, all of the month of May, we're making them free, and it's um, so if you just sign up for our email list, you can get it for free. It's um, 30 minutes of an, in tutorials, which sounds like a lot, um, but it's for all ages. So yeah. preschool all the way up to adults so it's something that you can do with your children if you want to it's something you can do by yourself it's totally up to you how you want to do it but the beautiful part about mandalas and the reason we chose it was not only because of what he said but also because there is a because there's a repetitive um, action that happens and you're physically using your hands And because it's symmetrical for the most part, um, it's actually very relaxing. So um, what's beautiful about it is it calms the mind and spirit, but then also subconsciously, your subconscious can actually communicate to you if you document it um, throughout a, a space of time. And that's basically what artists are doing is, especially when you're talking about abstract work, is you're documenting your subconscious yeah. mind. I mean, that's basically what it is. And so mandalas is an easy way of doing that. Um, and the beautiful part about it is, you know, focusing on the process and not that not not that it has to be perfect by any means, yeah. by no means does it have to be perfect. I would, I don't want it to be perfect. Yeah. Um, or you shouldn't either, but just really enjoying just the repetitiveness of it. Um, and then uh, with the uh, tutorials, you have videos that's going to come with it uh, for each age level. Yeah. And we say what age is appropriate for it. And then also you have a 30-day challenge for all age levels. And um, also we give you the history behind it. And then um, I feel like there's something else I'm missing. I can't remember. 30-day Mondala Challenge. Did 30? you already say that? I did say that. Yeah, I, I zoned out for four seconds. Obviously. But I- <laughs> Did you did you talk about the mandalas yet? 
<laughs> Sorry. I got into Carl wow. Jung. I'm thinking Carl wow. Jung up here. Wow. Okay. I'm yeah. A, I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so bear with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so basically what he's saying is I got really boring for a <laughs> no, second and no. he zoned out. That's not Totally true. fine. Totally fine. So anyway, anyway, go to our website. <laughs> it's uh, thecreativeunblock.com, and then you can sign up for our email list, and then uh, you can get it for free. So all of this month. Yeah, and I also just want to say, too, as we close out, that uh, – I. Mental Health Awareness Month is May, and I, I think that it's great that we get a month for it. But this is something that is a passion point for Margaret and I, big time. I have had a lot of mental illness stuff in my family um, and have seen people struggle from it. And, and the biggest part of mental health is the stigma around it. And we're in a time and place now where we can't afford, as individuals, forget the collective. I'm not talking about the collective. I'm saying as an individual, you cannot afford anymore to not have tools to, to go into this inner world because the beautiful part of this is when you start getting in there, uh, it's going to be one of the most freeing experiences you have. It's going to be one of those things that you're going to learn about yourself. And uh, it's okay to not be okay. If there's one thing that we can continue to say over and over and again, and this is my Tony Robbins motivational speech side of me that's talking, but I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you're struggling right now, so is everybody else. They're just not saying it. And so we're having a hard time. Everybody's having a hard time through this. You're not alone. And we're here with you. We'll be here every Friday. And we're going to be building out uh, all kinds of resources for you um, to actually have some tools. Because, you know, our, we talk about the creative block is for when you can't think your way there. Because sometimes thinking just doesn't get you all the way there. And so these tools are used to introduce you to your right hemisphere, which is your creative, intuitive hemisphere, you're gonna feel you're gonna feel naturally relaxed from it, and you're absolutely going to love the experience. It's like uh, Margaret and I learned transcendental meditation a couple years ago, and I'd heard about it from a popular uh, podcaster and writer named Tim Ferriss, and uh, I was like, okay, I'll go try it out. This seems kind of some crazy stuff, and my favorite part about when I went and did it, they said you don't have to believe this is gonna work. This is not a religion. You just sit down and practice it. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And literally the first time I did it, I noticed a palpable shift in my state of being. That's what creativity does. It's going to naturally do it. We're not the gurus. You're, you're the guru. You have all the answers you need inside of you. We just want to give you the tools uh, so you can start seeing that. And so thank you guys uh, for being on here. Sorry if we weren't able to wave to everybody. We love each and every one of you. Uh, we are sending as much uh, love and, and, and uh, good energy to you during this time. We're here with you. We're not going anywhere. And uh, you all take care of yourselves. Know that it's okay not to be okay if it's time for a good cry. Uh, Oliver Arnold's is one of my favorite artists that really get the tears going. Um, he, he, it works for me. Maybe you got something that you need, but go have a good cry. Let the, let the emotions come out and uh, check out. Uh, we're going to be talking more about this book, but check out this book because uh, Margaret's giving me all kinds of things each morning. So um, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Margaret, do you want to say anything else? Yeah, no, just thank you so much. We really appreciate y'all taking the time to be with us and really look forward to hearing from y'all in the future. Yeah, so DM us or you can join our website. For them to get the mandalas, they just need to sign up and join the website. Is that correct? Yeah, all you have to do is just sign up and join uh, the website. And then um, all of it, it's all on the website itself. Yeah. It's just under the Creative Unblock kit. And yep. so you'll just be able to click on that once you um, sign up to um, be logged into the yes. website. Yes, and if you have kids, uh, there's kid exercises in there and they're having anxiety too. You know, they don't get to go to school right now. They don't get to see friends. 
This is really hard on them too. So uh, it's for the whole family. Do some of the kid exercises yourself. I love them. They're my favorite ones. But Well, to add to that, the yeah. whole reason I created them is um, I think too many times we consider uh, some things too childlike so that we can explore them yeah. and um, appreciate them and participate, which is totally the opposite of what should be happening. What should mm. be happening is we should be embracing that. So really all of them are really fun for everyone. Mm. Um, and I made it to where basically almost all ages can do all of them for yeah. that reason because um, those are my favorite types of projects are the ones that everybody can experience and yeah. it's not just limited to one age level. Yeah and I, I want to say you're in really good hands with Margaret um, because she's an excellent teacher and she knows how to teach these concepts to that that you can actually so the kids can do them you can do them they're found objects around the house you don't have to spend any money to go and do it that was the whole design of this so Margaret is an excellent teacher you're in really good hands and we hope that you guys enjoy if you have any questions or anything uh, shoot us a note here on Instagram, or you can find us online. Uh, we love you guys, and we just hope that uh, you're hanging in there, and we're here with you, and you guys take care. See ya.